this for you. I know that. <laughs> well, good morning. I guess winter's over. <laughs> this is the fake. If you're if you're new here, this is a, a fake summer. I think there are going to be some. Anyway, I'm not a meteorologist, but I will be reading from scripture today. Um, I'm Jonathan. I'm one of the pastors here. If I didn't get to meet you. Uh, please find me uh, before you leave, or one of the other uh, pastors, or elders, or you know anybody that's leading in here. We'd love to connect with you guys. Um, um, so as we go through First Timothy, so this is our second week in First Timothy, but hopefully you should have read First Timothy uh, chapter one verses six through seventeen, I believe, this week. Um, so as normal, I'm going to back up a little bit. I'm going to recap and hit that. And then we're going to jump into verses 18 through 20. Um, it's tough because I think there's probably three sermons in 18 through 20. <laughs> and so, um, you know, as we go through this, just realize that, that there may be plenty of, of meat that we're going to just kind of pass over or, or kind of hit in a, just a cursory fa- fashion. Please don't, please don't misunderstand that as it not being worthy of our attention. Um, it's all worthy of our attention. It's just a matter of which, what pieces are we going to pick out. So um, I would recommend that you guys through the week, like, be digging into this. Go and, and find resources. You can find all sorts of stuff. If you, go, if you go to our website, we kind of point to some stuff. If you go to, like, the resources uh, area, but, like, um, if you go to blueletterbible.org, I'm not sponsored by them or anything, but I use them quite a bit um, because they have great concordance stuff. So it's like tells you what the Greek means. But there's also a bunch of commentaries on there from like really old people um, that are dead, that have been dead for hundreds of years. But, um, but it's good because it makes their stuff free. Um, <laughs> this isn't coming out the way I was expecting it to. So, um, but... Um, Right Now Media also has some great stuff, uh, more video-based. If you, you guys all have a free access to that whole, like, it's like a Netflix for Christian Bible studies and stuff. So if you don't know that, uh, again, that link's on our website, but I'm happy to give that to you guys. And again, it's just, it's, it's a free-for-all, and, and there's just a ton of resources. And then there's our bookshelf. Um, unfortunately, there isn't a First Timothy com- uh, commentary on our bookshelf right now because it's on my coffee table. Um, but when we're done with First Timothy, I'll happily put it up there and then uh, first come, first serve for that. But, um, but dig in and read because what is Paul challenging Timothy with? So hold Jesus' teachings steadfast. Um, and so that means that we have to really understand first not just how do we do that, but what are we holding fast to? What are Jesus' teachings? Um, what's the gospel? This, this should be something that when we talk about this, when, I, when we say gospel, that means good news. It's good news, okay? So if you go to the land of like just religious things and like doing things, like that's not good news, that's slavery, Right? And so that's, that's why we, we try to always be preaching the gospel up here. So what is the gospel? What is this thing that, that Paul's telling Timothy? Make sure nobody distracts from the gospel or teaches any other gospel. Make sure of it. Well, we got to make sure we know what we're, what we're talking about here, right? The gospel is good news. It's that Jesus died for you, that he reconciled you to God, that he took care of your sin problem that you can't take care of. See, and there's two ways that we handle sin. 
You'd be on one side, outside of faith, or outside of the gospel. One side is you deny that it's sin. That's, that's, how, that's often how the world operates, right? Deny that it's sin, then you don't have a problem until eternity, right? On the other side, you go, oh, I've solved my sin problem. I'm good enough. I've worked my way. I, I'm, I'm, I've, I now deserve heaven. Neither of those are the gospel. Both of those are just different forms of slavery. And so the gospel is that we need Jesus, that Jesus was a sacrifice for us. He took and he paid the just punishment for our sins, that he was crucified, that he conquered death, that he conquered Satan, that he conquered our sin. He rose again, and he's waiting for us to join him. That's the gospel. So that all wrapped up, all right? It's not, not word for word, right? But those are the concepts. Those are, those are what we're trying to preserve. And so this is what is getting skewed. People are taking it in one of these directions. It's it. I mean, almost every conversation you have with somebody, you can go, yeah, that's not the gospel because you're giving license here to sin that God doesn't want us to, to partake in because it's not right for us. It's not good for us. It's not glorifying to him. Or you, you think you've conquered this and your pride and your arrogance is, is now sending you apart where you don't think you need Jesus, okay? So these are the things that we should be cycling through in our minds as we're interacting in the world, as we're going through scripture and we're trying to understand, okay, this is really important because what we're gonna see this morning is that Paul tells Timothy that this is warfare. Warfare. And and. We talked about this last week. This isn't just warfare for Timothy. It's warfare for us. The words that Paul is saying to Timothy apply to us. Why? Because it's inspired scripture. Because God wants these truths to be communicated to us just as Paul was communicating them to Timothy. We're not just eavesdropping on some conversation that happened 2,000 years ago that we don't care about. That's why it's scripture. Okay. And so I'll just start this. Who here feels like they're in war? Sometimes we do. But a lot of times, I mean, we sing the songs of this, like, very defensive, like, we're just trying to survive. That's not what is going on with Timothy. Paul's going, I need, I need you to attack. I need, I need you to teach sound doctrine. Teach right things. Teach the gospel. Preserve, protect the gospel. Not by being quiet, not by just knowing, right? This wasn't about Timothy just knowing and settling on these truths when things are tough in his life. It's about caring for each other. It's about looking across this room and, and not letting people slide into this side or slide into this side because you love them. That's what he's talking about. Let me pray. Father, we, um, as we open up your word this morning, we pray that you would change us. Help us to see you more clearly. Help us to see what this warfare is. Help us not to take our lives lightly. God, we, we love you. And we trust you. And so we give you our lives. And we ask that you would just give us the ability to focus this morning, focus on your word, to hear from you, 
to allow your Holy Spirit to do what only your Holy Spirit can do and convict us and change our hearts. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. All right. So 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 6. I'm going to back up a little bit here. This is what we, this is, so, so Paul's telling Timothy, don't let the gospel get diluted. Don't let Jesus' teachings, don't, don't let people distract from them. Don't let them, get, don't let them be changed. And so look at what um, Paul summarizes this in verse 6. He says, certain persons by swerving from these have wandered away into vain discussion. Desiring to be teachers of the law without understanding either what they are saying or the things about which they make confident assertions. This is just wrong teaching, okay? This is, that's, that's, this is what Paul's concerned with. There's false teachers, there's people that are teaching things that they, they ought not to be teaching, and they're doing so boldly, confidently, and he's going, this, they, they've wandered away into vain discussions, Vain, vanity, right? Like discussions that, that bring the attention to them instead of to God. That's ultimately what characterizes these false teachers. And then what we read in verse 8, 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 8, says, Now we know that the law is good if one uses it lawfully. See, so, so this is the tough part as we read through these letters. Paul knows something that we don't really know, and so we have to kind of like infer, like, the fact that Paul jumps into this makes us think, right, and what I just read, that, and that they are some, saying something or teaching something critical about the law, that they have mistakenly communicated what the law's purpose was. Now, we don't know. It could be that the, the, uh, these false teachers were teaching that the law, we can, we can get rid of it. We don't, we don't need to worry about the law anymore at all. No, none of the laws in the law, Old Testament, apply to us anymore because we have Jesus and that's it. And Paul, it could be that. It could be that they were saying, no, you got to make sure that you're abiding by all of these laws into legalism, right? These are the two sides, okay? One, license to sin. The other one, self-righteousness, okay? And so we don't know exactly which one. And I think as we go through 1 Timothy, we'll kind of pick up some hints. But again, we kind of have to infer this. But Paul likely knew exactly what the issue was. And so this is why he jumps into this in verse 8. He says, the law is good. It's good. It's not bad. The Old Testament is good if one uses it lawfully. And look at what he said. And so he goes through this list, which, incidentally, I read this in my commentary. I said this in the small group. I think it's fascinating. Um, if you didn't read it, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it. But he starts off this list of, of sin. And the first one is those who strike their fathers and mothers. Man, isn't that a plague that we have in our society these days? Isn't that weird? There's weirdness to that. Who's striking? Who's hitting their parents? What's the circumstance that, that Paul leads with that? If I were to ask you, like, define sin out in the world, you probably wouldn't go to that one. So it's, it's interesting, which is why I think, and I was pretty convinced of this in the commentary, that's the, the fifth commandment is honor your father and mother. And so as he goes through this list, it's the fifth commandment, the sixth commandment, the seventh commandment, the eighth commandment, the ninth commandment of the Ten Commandments. So you can go and do that, do that research. But I think what Paul's doing is saying, no, 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 these things are still true. The Ten Commandments are still true. Like how you interact with one another, it's still true. All of that's still true. It's good. These are things that we ought not to, 
to forego and say that the law doesn't matter anymore. It absolutely matters. It's good and it's important. But then what Paul does is he goes, but don't, don't take this as legalism. It's not that you just got to do all the right things. And then look at what he says in, um, well, so, so then Paul goes into his own biography or autobiography. He's like, this is who I was. And he defines himself as a blasphemer, as an opponent of God, insolent opponent, I think is the word, right? Like, like he's like, I, here I was. I was doing all the, the, the Jewish religious things correctly, but I was opposing God. Paul rejected the Messiah. Paul rejected Jesus as the Son of God, and he murdered those who were following Christ. That's a pretty bad notch to have to climb yourself out of, right, in order to, like, find, you know, mercy from God, right? Man, what, what, what amount of things would he have to do in order to offset that, wouldn't he have to do a lot? Read his Bible a lot, pray a lot. Like, he's got to fix things. He's got, he's got to make himself right before God's going to show him mercy, right? No, that's not what he says at all. In fact, look at what he says in verse 16. But I received mercy for this reason, that in me as the foremost, meaning foremost of sinners is what he says in the verse prior, Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience as an example to those who are to believe in him for eternal life. In other words, we all look to Paul as an example of going, well, if God can save him, then there's good news for me. And last I checked, I mean, I don't know. I think I know most of you guys in here well enough to know that you're not murdering Christians. I think. This is what Paul says. It's an example. God gets, to, God gets the glory out of Paul's depravity, right? This is why Paul goes on in other places and he talks about, like, I boast in my weaknesses. Why? Because then Christ gets the glory. Because if Christ can forgive me, if Christ can show me mercy, well, then he can show you mercy. That's the good news. That's why we say it's good news. And so what doesn't help is if we say, I don't have any sin. I don't have any problems. No, things are good. I talked about, did I talk about this last week? I think I did. Yeah, I talked about this, right? My own personal, yeah, and during the testimony, right? Like, like that's where I was at. <laughs> that doesn't bring glory to God. It brings glory to you. Good job. Awesome. I'll bet you God could have that happen in your life, whatever that is, and all of a sudden things come crumpling down. And then we're like, oh, God, please help me. So this is what Paul is laying the, the framework here before he jumps into our verses this morning. And so this is what he says in verse 18. Um, he says, this charge, second time he's used that word, this charge I entrust to you, Timothy, my child, in accordance with the prophecies previously made about you, that by them you may wage the good warfare. Good warfare. He's in a war. He's in a battle. And Paul says, I'm commanding you. Now, this is work for, uh, I wrote it down. Oh, uh, 2 Timothy, uh, March 24th. 
we're going to start 2 Timothy as part of this, this series. And that's where we're going to get a little bit more into that. What, what does he mean by that prophecies? Okay? So just hang with me here. Just ultimately what he's saying is that you, you, you're called to go and to fight this warfare. Now, this isn't just unique to him, and we know that um, because we can roll over to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. So go, go to 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3. This warfare isn't just, it's not as if like uh, Timothy had some superpower or something like that. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. I feel like I've misspoke that. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3. Paul says, To the Corinthian church, for though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. Opinions and knowledge. That's our warfare. That's, that's what it's about. It's for us to be able to say, that's not the gospel. I understand that's your opinion. But there's, there's danger in that, and here's the danger. And I love you enough to tell you that there's danger in that. And here's the gospel. We've got 